For GSC, there are usually three categories of supplies. There is goods, so anything you can touch and move. There is real property, so anything you can touch but you can't move because it's land. And anything else that is not goods or real property, so services and intangible. In the last episode, we covered the export of goods. Real property can't be exported, even if you wanted to, so there is no export we need to worry about. And so that leaves the export of anything else, meaning services and intangibles, that we still need to cover. Before you can look at whether the supply of services is an export, you first have to see whether the service is even connected with the indirect tax zone, and that can be quite complicated, as you will see. You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 140 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. So in this episode, we will just look at to what extent the supply of a service is connected with the indirect tax zone. Here's Simon Dorovich of ANA Tax Legal Consulting in Melbourne. To determine whether or not they're making a taxable supply, you of course have to go through whether it is a supply, whether it's for consideration, whether it's in the course of furtherance of an enterprise, whether they're registered or required to be registered. You also need to consider, is the supply connected with the indirect tax zone? And that's set out in section 9-25. Previous episode, we talked about when supplies of goods are connected with the indirect tax zone. But a supply of what it describes as a, a supply of anything else, i.e. It's, it's not goods, it's not real property, anything else really covers services and intangibles, the different rules apply to those sorts of supplies. So what those rules are and what are the different ways in which a supply of a service or intangible can be connected with Australia or, or more precisely the indirect tax zone. These are alternate tests. But the first way is that the thing is done in the indirect tax zone. Yes, and that's a very central key phrase, isn't it? The thing is done. Those four words, that they are crucial for finding out whether a service is connected with the indirect tax zone, isn't it? The thing is done. Yes, and obviously you have to identify, well, what's the thing? And then where is it done? Now, the thing is basically what you're supplying. So for a service, it might be providing them with a design or for advice, a letter of tax advice, example. And so where it's done depends on what the thing is. There's a GST ruling uh, 2000-31 that talks about the ATO's views on this matter. The ATO have released more recent rulings on when goods and real property are connected with the indirect tax zone. So that suggests that we may see a ruling soon, an updated ruling on when services are connected with the indirect tax zone. So we were talking about when a thing is done in the indirect tax zone, and I was saying how it depends on what the thing is. So the commissioner's view is for a service, 
yes, for example, uh, providing a design would be one example. That would be done where the service is performed. If you're working on the design in the indirect tax zone, then that's where the, the thing is done. For advice or information, so my firm prepared a letter of tax advice. I'm working on it from the office in Melbourne, therefore it's done in the indirect tax zone. For an instantaneous provision of advice or information, the guidance there is a bit limited. All it says is that it's done where it is provided and where it's provided will depend on the facts in any given case. Then another category it talks about is the creation, grant, transfer, assignment or surrender of any right. And the ATO says, well, that's done where the creation, grant, assignment, surrender takes place. If it's affected by a written contract, it's where the contract is made. And that's a whole other detailed topic. And not a lawyer, it's been a long time since I studied contract law. But I believe that the general rule of contract law is that a contract is made at the time of the place where acceptance of the relevant offer is communicated to the offerer. But then there's like the special this postal rule exemption and many more that others know far better than I do. But generally, it's where the contract is made is the key thing that has to be done in the indirect tax line for the service to be connected with Australia under this, the first item, 5A of section 9-25. The next way in which a service can be connected with Australia is where the supplier makes the supply through an enterprise that the supplier carries on in the indirect tax zone. One thing you need to establish is when is an enterprise carried on in the indirect tax zone? They've actually changed the rules regarding that question. That change is effective for tax periods starting on or after 1 October 2016. So previously it looked at whether the enterprise was carried on through a permanent establishment, as it's defined in the Income Tax Assessment Act 36. They've inserted a new section, section 9-27 that says an enterprise is carried on in Australia if it is carried on by one or more individuals and those individuals if it's a sole trader then it's the individual is the sole trader if we're dealing with say a company then it can be an employee or an officer and by officer I mean say a director or, or secretary of the company or it can be an agent of the entity but only if the agent has and habitually exercises an authority to conclude contracts on the entity's behalf, and also the agent is not a, a broker, general commission agent, or other agent of independent status that is acting in the ordinary course of the agent's business. So the agent has to be acting on behalf of the, the, the entity. entity and not the agent. Exactly right. Yeah, so it's quite similar. In an earlier episode, we talked about permanent establishments and quite similar to the requirements for an agency permanent establishment to arise. For an agent, it basically comes down to how independent the agent is, isn't it? If the agent has the right to enter contracts but basically follows instructions, then they would connect the supplier to the indirect tax zone. But if the agent basically 
acts in their own capacity, does they do their own thing, they run their own agency company, then they wouldn't connect the supplier to the indirect tax zone. That's right. The agent also has to have relevant authority and to conclude contracts and, and also have to actually uh, habitually exercise that authority. But provided those two conditions are met, then an agent is one of the kinds of individuals who can be in Australia for purposes of determining whether or not the enterprise is carried on in the indirect tax zone. So that's the first of the two conditions. And then the second condition can be satisfied one of three different ways can be the enterprise is carried on through a fixed place in Australia or the enterprise has been carried on through one or more places in Australia for more than 183 days in a 12-month period or the entity intends to carry on an enterprise through one or more places in Australia for more than 183 days in a 12-month period. And those 183 days don't need to be consecutive to days. To see whether an enterprise is carried out in the ITZ, they basically two things that need to be ticked. One is people. The enterprise must have people in the ITZ. And B, it must have a place of business in the ITZ. And if those two are given, then they, the enterprise is carried on in the indirect tax zone, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I wanted to ask you something. If a thing is done as part of an enterprise that we now have established is done is carried out in, in the indirect tax zone... Is then anything that is done as part of this enterprise always connected to the indirect tax zone? The legislation talks about how the supply is made through an enterprise that the supply carries on in the indirect tax zone. Some connection has to exist between the enterprise being carried on in Australia and the supply. So, But provided that if the supply is being made in the course or furtherance of that enterprise, and then it can be concluded that it's made through that enterprise. Let's say there is an accounting practice that carries out an enterprise in the indirect tax zone. Mm -hmm. So they have people in Australia and they have a place of business in Australia, but then they travel to Hong Kong and they provide a service in Hong Kong. So that service is done in Hong Kong because that's where it is provided. Would it then be connected to the ITZ because it's done as part of an enterprise that's carried out in the ITZ or would it not be connected to the ITZ because the service itself is not done in the ITZ? The former, because even though Nari just outlined, they're now in Hong Kong, they're still employees of the enterprise being carried on in Australia and their work is being done really because of the enterprise that exists in Australia. If there was something really very different, some sort of completely separate kind of supply, it wasn't accounting services, it really was a, a whole separate enterprise, then perhaps not. But, but only not if that enterprise is not carried out in Australia. If that other enterprise is also carried out in Australia, then we would have the same scenario again. Yes, I agree. Yes. Okay, so with goods, when I export goods... I can basically say, no, this transport went to Hong Kong, so this transport is GST-free, but this transport went to Wollongong, so this transport is subject to GST. And I basically look at each shipment separately. But for services, the, the GST Act calls it anything else. But there, I don't really look at each service separately. I look at where I'm carrying out that enterprise. And if I carry out that enterprise in Australia, meaning I have people and a place of business in Australia, then all my services are basically connected to the ITZ. 
Is that right? Yeah, unless the link between the services and the enterprise was so remote that yes. you could say that it's not being supplied through the enterprise. But certainly in the vast majority of cases, through aspect would, would be satisfied. So that takes off the second way in which a supply can be of services can be connected with Australia? I just think it's it's very powerful. I never realised that until now. So, for example, if you have an advertising agency and they run advertising campaigns in Australia and then they branch out overseas and acquire a few clients in Asia, then those services to those Asian clients would still be subject to GST because they're carried out through an enterprise in Australia. Unless you can argue that it is a different enterprise, but that they are probably quite stringent criteria as to how different it has to be. I find that mind-boggling because in my mind, I always thought any dealings with overseas are not subject to GST. But if this is right, what we are saying here, then any service company basically could never have GST-free export, even when they deal with clients overseas. Remember, at this stage, we're only considering whether or not a supplier is connected with Australia. And and so the, the connected rules, they're very broad. So it's quite difficult to um, for a supplier to not be connected with Australia. But even if it's connected, uh, it, it may then be... A GST-free export, exactly. So anything right. that a, that an Australian-based service company does is connected with the ITZ because they have people and a place of business here, but then it could still be a GST-free export, but that's the next step. The first step is just to look at the indirect tax zone connection. So we've been looking at subsection 5 of 92-25. Now we've gone through 5A and 5B, 5C says all of the following apply. Neither paragraph A nor paragraph B applies in respect of the thing. So they're the ones that we've just, the above don't apply, what we've been discussing so far. The thing is a right or option to acquire another thing. And three, the supply of the other thing would be connected with the indirect tax zone. Sorry, Simon. And this subsection C, section Mm 9-25, subsection 5, and then C, I think that was inserted later. And I think that came in response to a court case called Sega Holidays Limited in 2006. Yeah, so it's really intended to capture non-resident tour operators uh, who require Australian package holidays from resident tour tour wholesalers and then on sell them to tourists. There may be other scenarios where it, it can apply, certainly, but that was, I believe, the intention behind inserting that into the, the GST Act. It's aimed at non-resident tour operators. Yes, but it basically covers any subcontractor arrangements where the supplier is based overseas, but then they use an Australian-based company to carry out the service. Yeah. So that's C. And then D is the recipient of the supply is an Australian consumer. That was inserted even more recently for tax periods on or after 1 July 2017. Oh, so that's the Google tax. Yeah, and the the low-value goods as well. And and so it's more commonly relevant to imports rather than, than exports. But 
if there was a supply that was an export was made to to an Australian consumer, sorry, I should say, who was, you know, it's an export because they were overseas when they received the supply, could be connected under under this rule as well. And an Australian consumer is is an Australian resident that's either not registered for GST or they don't acquire the supply either solely or partly for an enterprise that they carry on. So if a Netflix subscriber travels to Bali for a holiday and then watches Netflix movies while they're on holiday in Bali, it would still be subject to GST because they are resident of Australia, even though at that moment it's not used in Australia. Or am I on the wrong track there? I think you're, you're absolutely on the right track. I think if I remember the, the ruling, they give an example of an Australian who's travelling in, in London and receives a haircut. In that case, the supply would be connected with the indirect tax zone because the supply is being provided to an Australian resident who's not registered or, or doesn't acquire it in the furtherance of their enterprise. But of course, it's unlikely that the hairdresser in London would be making more than $75,000 worth of supplies to Australians, $75,000 worth of haircuts, but technically that haircut would be connected with Australia under subsection D. The Netflix tax and the, the low-value goods, you know, a number of Overseas suppliers, even those without any physical presence in Australia, if they have more than $75,000 worth of turnover to Australian consumers, then they're required to register. And then if they're taxable supplies, then they need to pay GST. If I sell goods via eBay to Australian residents, then I need to register for GST. You would want to consider the electronic distribution platform rules. It, it could be that eBay, eBay registers, but you don't need to. And I first thought of another example, but then I realized that it doesn't fit. And I thought if somebody opened a supermarket in London for homesick Aussies and sold Tim Tams, etc., then I thought, ah, oh, maybe that then could be caught. But of course, it's not caught because people who are living in London long term might not be Australian residents anymore, and then they wouldn't be covered by this rule anyway. Whether or not they're a resident goes back to the income tax definition. And if somebody living overseas for a long time is more likely to not be a resident, but Harding's case shows that certainly not automatically. But my main objection to your example would be that the supply of Tim Tams would be a supply of goods. And if it's being made inside a London supermarket, then there's there's no connection. It has to be within Australia or being physically removed from Australia or being physically brought into Australia. And none of those things would, would happen there. The main question is basically with services, whether the enterprise is carried out in Australia, whether the enterprise has people and a place of business in Australia. And if it does, then All services they provide with, as part of that enterprise is connected to the ITZ. Remember, these are all alternate tests. So it's possible to have a case where if the supply is not made through an enterprise 
carried on in the, the ITZ because, for example, there's no fixed place and any one or more temporary or non-fixed places were didn't, you know, didn't meet those 183-day tests, your supply could be connected with Australia just because the thing is done in Australia. Yeah, I wouldn't say one of the two is the main one and the other is the, the less main one. Yes, but wouldn't most services be provided as part of an enterprise? Well, typically the same set of facts would, would satisfy both requirements. Basically, bring it to a point. If it's done as part of an enterprise, and you just need to see where the enterprise is carried out. If it's not part of an enterprise, then you need to see where the thing is done, and that depends on what the thing is. If the services are done where they are performed, individual advice is done where it's developed, instantaneous information is done where it's provided, and rights are done where the contract is signed. Yeah, that's right. That's all the different ways in which supply of anything else can be connected with Australia. And then there are some special rules for when something is partially connected. We talked about that in the, the goods episode, so don't need to go through it again. So today we covered when a supply of something other than goods or real property, so for example, supply of a service, is connected with the indirect tax zone. Once we've established that it's connected with the indirect tax zone and that it's for consideration in the furtherance of an enterprise and that the supplier is registered or required to be registered, we can then move on to consider whether or not the supply is GST-free or input taxed. And in the context of exports of services, it's the GST free that's that's most relevant. So we'll we'll talk in the next episode about the different ways in which the supply of the service can be considered GST free under section 38-190. Welcome back. So to see whether a service or intangible is connected with the indirect tax zone, it is all about where the thing is done or whether the thing is done as part of an enterprise carried out in the indirect tax zone. If you know that, you know whether the supply is connected with the indirect tax zone or not. And then the next step is to see whether it qualifies as an export. And this is what Simon Dorovich will cover in the next episode, episode 141. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.